Hi, you're listening to Secrets for an Inspirational Life with me, your host, Mimi Novik. I'm so happy and thrilled to have you here with me. I have created this series for all of us so we can change our world together and live a more holistic and balanced life. Together, we will share lots of inspiring stories from all walks of life, speak with leading experts, enjoy healthy living ideas, explore music and subjects that inspire each other to always have hope. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate all of you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Secrets for an Inspirational Life. How are you all today? How is life wherever you are in your part of the world? I hope that there is a sprinkle of laughter, a touch of joy, and always a ray of hope, whatever you're doing and whoever you may be traveling this life journey with. I begin with this quote today that belongs to my very wise guest today. And the quote is as follows. Fear not, dear friend, we were made for these times. What an absolutely beautiful quote. And there are days when we simply need to be reminded that we are here for a reason a far greater reason than we could possibly imagine. But deep down in our soul, we know that there is a huge awakening that is happening within us, within the world, within the worlds indeed. And it is something that we were sent here to do and to help with. So without further ado, I have to say that I'm truly delighted to welcome my very special guest today, who is the very wise and knowledgeable Ian Watson. Ian is an educator, an author of several books, and facilitator who has worked in the field of well-being, holistic healing, and inner transformation since 1988. He has, as I mentioned, written many a book and also has published articles as well as traveling extensively throughout the world, giving seminars, courses and retreats. Ian became widely known as a speaker and a writer in homeopathy, which he taught and practiced until 2003. He subsequently trained in a wide variety of psychological and emotional healing disciplines before discovering the simple principles of innate well-being that now form the foundation of his very work. Ian has taught his groundbreaking understanding to health professionals, business leaders, school children, and many, many people. Today, he shares his very interesting life journey. Welcome, dear Ian. Oh, thank you, Mimi. It's a lovely introduction, and it's my pleasure to be here with you. Oh, thank you so much, Ian. I am 
So very, very happy and deeply honoured to have you here because you are quite a wise sage, I would have to say. Well, as we all are, I would say. (laughs) (laughs) from, From my perspective, it seems to me we all have access to wisdom and some of us perhaps are more aware of that than others and maybe make use of it more than others. But I do believe it's uh, it's available to all. Yes, it is. It is indeed. And sometimes I look at people and I always say this, actually, and I think whenever I meet somebody, I know it's something that has been sort of predestined. I'm very much a believer in that, that we all meet people for a specific reason and nothing is really. There, isn't, there are no coincidences, as they say. And I always wonder, I wonder what this person is teaching me. And sometimes when they get on my nerves, I think, oh dear, what have I got to learn about myself here? And then when they're very lovely, I think, well, that was rather nice. What is it that I have to learn here? But all in all, it goes hand in hand, doesn't it? I think so. And to me, it gives you a nice uh, perspective on life just to be open to that possibility. That it's yes. you know, it's not random <laughs> who, yes. who, we're, who we're bumping into, the encounters that we have. And I think particularly the ones where we feel some connection or, you know, when we leave that meeting, we, we have a sense that something has opened up for us or something has shifted. That's very much all been a long interest for me as, you know, what is that magical thing that can happen as a result of seemingly chance encounters? It turns out to be a a turning point in our life. How beautifully put. And indeed, with regards to your quote that we used earlier, fear not, dear friend, we were made for these times. That I spoke to you earlier and, and I said to you that in that moment when I read that, I did have a smile on my face because I thought this is actually it. This is the point, is that we were made for these times. And what is it? This is the journey of discovery. It is very much so. And it, to me, paradoxically, it's an individual journey. You know, each of us mm-hmm. must find that within ourselves that inspires us and guides us. And yet at the same time, we're part of something much bigger than ourselves. So we're also, it seems to me, participating in a collective uh, awakening and, and unfolding of consciousness. Very true. That actually, when you were speaking, I was suddenly reminded of my journey along the Silk Road, but in the part in Egypt. Have you ever been there at all? Um, many times. <laughs> yes, yes, likewise. Yeah. Uh, so a country very dear to my heart. And I remember traveling and it was coming back, I think, from Alexandria or, or somewhere and we were going and, and it was nighttime and, and there were these workers and it's a sort of awful conditions, really. It was so hot, even in the night. And there they were sort of repairing the Silk Road. And when you think about where it begins and where it ends and, you know, it is a sort of a magical road, but there they were building it and putting this tarmac and repairing it. And there we were in the car traveling along. And I thought, look at this. We each have our own, as you said, individual journey, but each one of us has this journey together as well, where they were helping to mend the road. 
for us to travel on, it is because we were traveling on it that they had something to mend. So that was one of those moments, you know, like an epiphany in that moment, traveling on that road. Yeah, I think that's very much the way it seems to me to be, is that each of us does have a unique role to play and sometimes number of roles, you know, it can change throughout a person's lifetime. But um, I sense that there is something that we all come here to, to be and to contribute. And it's for each of us to uncover that as best we can and to have that be our potential that, that gets fulfilled in this lifetime. Yes. Um, what a journey, really, that we have and journeys within journeys and journeys with people. And it is all so very fascinating. But I want to ask you, let's go back a little bit, Ian, is where did this quest, I suppose, of yours begin? How did you begin your path into this transformational, to use your words, world of healing and inner transformation, I suppose? Mm. That's a lovely question. Um, It's funny because when I look back, there's a number of uh, distinct points of reference, you know, that I I could kind of point to and say that was certainly a wake-up moment. But I think the earliest one, a significant one that I can remember, I was about eight years old, seven or eight. I think I was eight. And I I grew up in West Yorkshire in the north of England. Oh, yeah. I lived in an area, in in a town that had access to... Um, woodland and moorland, which was where I felt very much at home. And as kids at that time, we just used to go off all day, you know, and wander the the, the woods and it felt perfectly safe and kind of come back when you're hungry was the, the deal, you know. <laughs> and I remember one particular summer's day um, exploring the moorland with, with some friends and I kind of lost track of my friends momentarily. And I found myself in an area of very long grass. It was probably a bit taller than I was at that time. And there was a certain moment where I can remember just being stopped in my tracks because something shifted. And it wasn't something that I did. It was just something that I experienced. There was this feeling of this sense of the the grass becoming golden. That's how it looked to me. It was as as if it was shimmering. And and it was really, it really caught my attention. I was like, is, is that really happening? You know? <laughs> yeah. And the more I looked, the, the more it seemed to be true. And I was just transfixed. And, and in that moment, I had this sense of being absolutely present. And any anxiety or self-consciousness or fear or anything like that that I might have had in my mind or body just seemed to momentarily fall away. And I had this experience of being literally a part of everything. And the feeling was that nothing can harm me because I'm not a separate thing that can be harmed, that I am just part of this life tapestry itself. And as such, uh, there's really nothing to, to fear. And it was just a beautiful experience and um, quite spontaneous. I, I, I hadn't done anything to induce it or make mm. it happen. And then within a, you know, a matter of minutes, seconds, I'm not even sure how long it, it lasted, gradually the sensation faded away and I was chasing after my friends again. But I was different. 
something had um, been touched inside me. I'd been given a little window, if you like, into a whole other world of, of possibility. And that was an experience that has stayed with me throughout my whole life. And in a way, that's what set me on my quest of looking for what else is there to life, you know, apart from the just the material concerns and the everyday concerns. From that day forward, I was interested in, in exploring the edges, shall we say. And then in, in my teens, that interest got picked up when uh, I, I first came across a book, which was about alternative healing, um, different types of therapies. It's like an A to Z. You know, it started with acupuncture yeah. and went all the way through. And I just read this book cover to cover. I was completely engrossed. And um, it was particularly homeopathy, which was in the middle somewhere that really grabbed me. So I, th I had that sense from an early age of, of, I would call it a recognition. It was recognizing that there was something for me, that there was, some, you know, there was some deep interest that was already alive within me. And it was as if it was just becoming activated. You know, when I encountered that book, I remember it's like I, al I almost felt like I already knew this material. It was deeply familiar to me in some strange way. Um, and so that became then a big part of my quest was exploring the healing arts and simultaneous to that, um, looking into many of the psychological and also spiritual uh, teachings throughout the world and from past and, and present um, teachers. That, that's always been a big part of my life interest as well. What a beautiful story. And somehow it always begins in childhood. I think that we all have some of those moments that open up the worlds, the different worlds that are out there to us. And some of us remember and some of us don't. And you're lucky enough to have remembered, but not only to have remembered, but it seems that this was your guiding light in a way throughout your life. I, I would say so, but I, I, would, I would describe it as both a blessing and a curse in some ways, because when you've seen something like that, and you, in a sense you've tasted that possibility, it's a little bit like, you know, when you read descriptions of people who've had near-death experience, and mm. they, you know, they go from a place of being very fearful and insecure and feeling like they're losing everything, and then suddenly they typically describe this feeling of opening into a beautiful feeling of love and security and deep peace and often feeling like I, I don't want to go back you know <laughs> this is, this yeah. is way, way better than what I was experiencing before and you know I had that sense that's what really haunted me from that experience was that the ordinary world that I seemed to be living in was was almost like black and white whereas this was color you know it, mm. it, it changed my relationship to everyday life such that I couldn't help but be on some kind of quest. I, you know, I had to um, orient in that direction from that point on because it was it was just way beyond anything that I'd experienced um, up until that point. So yeah, it was a gift, but I think these gifts come with a price. <laughs> uh, very much so. Yes, yes. It's it's not a price everyone is willing to pay. I have to say also. Yeah, I don't know how much choice we have about that, Rimi, but um, <laughs> in, in my own, yeah. I suppose we can, as you say, sometimes we forget. We literally put those things out of mind, out of mm. consciousness. 
and we forget it ever happened, brush ourselves down and carry on, you know? I, I don't yeah. think that was an option for me. Um, I, I didn't speak about it to anyone for a long, long time. What I did do was I kept going back up that mall and looking for that piece of grass because <laughs> yeah. I'd yeah. erroneously drawn the conclusion that it must have had something to do with where I was and, you know, exactly the, the spot. If I could just find that spot again, maybe I could yeah. um, activate that feeling. Of course, it, it didn't work that way. But I didn't know I that. I wonder if it was a portal. Or was it a moment of grace that arrived and it wouldn't have mattered really where you were? It, it feels, was, yeah, more like yeah. the latter to me. I think it was, as you say, a moment of grace. And mm. in, in some sense, it was incidental that I, it happened to be in that particular place. Although having said that, I've always had a strong affinity with, with nature, with the natural world, as many people do. And it's always my, been my go-to place for feeling of connection and solace and you know just coming home to myself it's true it's a high price and i i think that and i believe this greatly that people such as yourself and healers you know it's it's a word i believe that we are all healers in every respect and the divine works through us that's my belief, and we are just vessels of a far greater power. But if we align ourselves in a certain way to our soul's frequency, that I think it's an easier ride through life. And I think also that if we deny those feelings and those callings of the spirit, such as you've had since a young child, I think that's also a lot of problems that I've seen people with a lot of addictions through my work, I don't know about yourself, that it's simply a denial of who we are and trying to forget that we have this special, I have to say power, because um, that's what it is. Yeah, I, I like how you're um, expressing that. And I think for me that awareness of let's call it the soul dimension to life that was awakened in me by reading the work of uh, dr edward bark you know the flower essence oh i um, love I, I still use those essences. me too me too yes. those were actually, <laughs> so those were the first natural remedies that i ever bought and again i was in my teens at the time mm. i was about 15 i think and i bought a, i just read the um the book, Heal, um, was it Heal Thyself? I can't oh, remember. yes, the little thin book. Little booklet, yeah, written by, mm -hmm. by Dr. Bart. And then I read the biography that was written about him. And I was again, I was completely transfixed. And his message was very much that um, suffering and disease, in, in his view, what he came to see about that was that was exactly what you just said. It was the result of misalignment between what he called the personality and the soul that in some sense we lose sight of our true nature and we get caught in ego desires and things that we think we should be doing or ought to be doing. And, and also we get caught in, in conditioned ideas, you know, other people's ideas of what would be a good yeah. thing for us to be doing. And that was very much his own journey. He had, you know, he had to throw off the conditioning and all of the training, medical training and everything that he'd been Mm -hmm. um, spending years of his life doing, he realized that, that that wasn't him expressing his true nature and his true potential. 
And to his enormous credit, he 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 literally closed down his Harley Street practice and you know what how he was making his living. He let all that go and embarked on a journey of discovery without knowing where he was going. <laughs> and that was so That's inspiring. all the beginning of best of the best journeys, isn't it? Though, right. Yeah. It was a true hero's <laughs> adventure, you know. But <laughs> you, as Joseph Campbell famously says, you've got to enter the forest at the darkest place where there is no path. Yeah. Because if there's already a path, that's somebody else's. That's not yours. That's and, excellent, actually. I haven't heard that before, but that's very good. So re- reading that as a youngster, you know, that for me was very inspiring because it, it alerted me to that within myself, to that possibility that perhaps there's some soul's journey here for me too mm. and, and potentially for everyone. And and therefore it's important that I don't get distracted by what other people think would be a good thing for me to do, or even what I think <laughs> would be a good thing for me to do. Yes, uh, you know, I, 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 <laughs> as best I can, I want to align myself with what it is that truly um, wants to be expressed through me, as you said. And uh, I'm, I'm very grateful that I stumbled upon that at an early age because I feel like it really served me well and it enabled me to not get too off track, shall we say. You know, I, I became aware yes. of when I was on track and when I wasn't on track. And so then I could navigate. You know, I could I could bring myself back in alignment when I knew that I was getting distracted. And that's been a big help to me. And also, I don't know, Ian, whether you found this with the remedies. Is Did you ever visit, before I ask you that, though, did you ever visit the centre? Yes, I did. Yes. And it, it's very humble, isn't it? I've been there mm. um, also. <laughs> And there's a certain sort of gentleness about him um, and the simplicity of it all. And I think the most beautiful things are really the most simple things. We just overcomplicate things, really. Um, But when I was young, I first had um, the bark remedies when I think I was about 15 or so. And I remember looking through, you know, you have the booklet. And I remember thinking, well, that's me. Well, that's me. Well, that's me. Oh, dear. You know, because you're a teenager then. Oh, well, that's me. Oh, dear. So I thought, well, I'm not not going to read that anymore. And the next day I was fascinated like yourself. And then I realized a lesson because I thought, well, that's not really me. Then I went from that's me, that's me, that's me to nothing is me. And I thought, well, there must be. There must be something in this. So I did a little sort of game with myself and I thought, well, let's pick one. And if it makes you feel uncomfortable, then that's probably the one that I need. So I would sort of cringe and, oh, I'd close my eyes and I'd say, yes, it's mustard. You know, I'm feel, feeling gloomy. It must be mustard. Oh, I don't want it to be mustard. I thought, it is mustard. Yeah. And then I would take the mustard and I would feel fine after three days. So I did this each and every time. And like yourself, it's got me out of some really difficult situations in life, I have to say. Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? And one of the sentences in one of Dr. Barks's little books that I still remember to this day where he says, let not the simplicity of this method deter you from its use. And he he very much, you know, he really, through his own journey, I think it was a journey of uh, stripping away everything that was not essential. 
you know, it was very yes. zen <laughs> in a way. Yes. But he was he was stripping it down to what is the absolute core essence of true healing. And he came to see it's not about symptom relief. It's not about, you know, just taking away aches and pains and so on. And that might be necessary at times, but it seemed like he he was on a, a path of discovering that at its essence, it is it does have something to do with this business of alignment or misalignment. And yeah. to him, the, the clue to, to misalignment was was looking at the the state of mind, the mental and emotional state that was that was presenting. And of course, it is hard to see it within within yourself, isn't it? And well, it is, yeah. One of the ways that I tried to get around that was uh, I took up dousing. You know, I, I learned how to use a pendulum, so I could uh, oh, yes. I could douse the the essences that way. But again, even doing that for yourself is tricky because the mind is always jumping in with its own ideas. <laughs> That's a tricky thing, also, and the ego as well. I want to ask you something actually about dowsing. Um, hold that thought because it's something that is a very interesting thing. But yes. The mind and the ego are tricky. I, I, and it can be in the most simplest of everyday things that you have to catch yourself um, to not run away. I mean, we had a really boring story. We had a problem with the fridge freezer and it's been going on for weeks and breaking down and they, you know, oh dear, I won't bore you and the listeners with it. But within it all, I actually saw a part of myself that I hadn't seen for a very long time and it was that I had a little thing about the fridge freezer where I thought well why can't people just you know be nice and just help you as opposed to making life difficult and then I heard my heart say to me Mimi this is not paradise this is earth just get a grip <laughs> and in that moment it sort of slapped me and I brought I was brought back to myself and I thought, yes, that's right. You know, this is the testing ground for whatever we're being tested. Um, but I do feel like we're on that testing ground of life. Yeah, it has to be, doesn't it? Because without challenge, there's no growth. Yeah. Without difficulty, there's no, there's no growth. You know, if everything was always perfect in our experience, then there's nothing's going to motivate us to grow. And, and again, I, I got an intimation of that early on when one of the first books that I read as a teenager that really um, opened me up, you know, it was an inspirational mm -hmm. book for me, was um, the book called Illusions by Richard Bach. Funnily enough. Oh, Edward, I love that book. I was re reading Edward Bach on the one hand and Richard Bach on the other. Yes, yes, the, yes, yes. The completely with unrelated. the feather, Illusions. Is that the one with yes, the feather and the... Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people came across the Jonathan Livingston Seagull. Oh, yes. Yeah. Which um, I read later, but this one was the one that really caught my attention. Mm -hmm. And I remember in there, one of the teachings in there was, was along the lines of uh, you seek problems because you need their gifts yes oh dear and again you know i i remember reading that and somehow even at that age something in me recognized the truth of that yeah and i think we have that capacity to recognize truth when we come across it you know it resonates something in us goes yes <laughs> I'm, i might not like i might not like it but it's true <laughs> it is very true what you're saying because i think ultimately we are the truth. We 
can sort of wrap ourselves up in tin foil and I don't know what else. But ultimately, we are the truth. I, I really, truly believe that. And I remember saying to my friend, we had gone on a, on a journey and we'd gone to see, I'm, I'm sure like yourself, Ian, we had gone to see um, a master and um, he'd sent us on a trip and we were in sort of the desert of Uzbekistan and um, it was like really like something out of a thousand and one nights and there was a man and he couldn't see and he was blind, but really he wasn't blind because he was turning his eyes around. And that was an interesting point. And he was sort of dressed in, I don't know, gold and, and black boots, exactly like I thought I'd gone into some fairy tale. And I remember we had so many questions to ask him and I had this list. And he laughed and we had a translator with us and he laughed and he just said, the answer to all of your questions is follow your heart and do what gives your heart peace. That's it. Beautiful. Beautiful. And then he turned his eyes around because, you know, like, I don't know if you ever watched Kung Fu where yes. Dave Carradine, yeah, was with the master yeah. and he had these eyes this eye story. So clearly that was sort of um, a funny moment from the divine, a divine comedy where I was watching something from my childhood. And then he turned his eyes back around and they were all normal. Mm -hmm. And he laughed and he laughed and I thought, my goodness. And then as we left, there was, there were lots of whirlwinds because it was in the desert and the, we started to chase the whirlwind because it became a bit interesting with our driver who was sent to look after us. But then the whirlwind started to chase us. Hmm. And I thought, oh my goodness. And I remember in that moment, I thought there's no need to chase anything really in life. What is meant for you will come to you at exactly the right time. We just have to be open in our entirety to that moment surely oh i love that yeah i love that and I, I at some point i came to the same realization that you know after much questing and seeking um i'm i'm grateful that i came to see pretty much the same thing is that actually i have everything i need already and when when something different it needs to come into my life, it will, and I'll recognize it. You know, I have the capacity to recognize what it is that's ready, um, that I'm ready to receive at a particular moment. And I think we all do. And once yeah. you know that, once you know that, something relaxes inside of you, I think. And um, it's a beautiful thing to realize that maybe you're already in the right place with the right people <laughs> doing the right thing, <laughs> at least for now. You know, it might change. Who knows? We can have an encounter yeah. any time and, and, you know, a, a new life path opens up for us. But what if we start from that possibility that actually this is all as it's meant to be right now? There isn't somewhere else that I should be and there isn't anything that I'm lacking within myself. Um, to me, that's a good starting point. I think that's a wonderful starting point. Um I was coming back one, I think it was Air Canada, 
it, it was a long time ago and I'd come back from seeing a friend and it was one of those experiences like you had at an early age and suddenly I could see the sphere of the moon and I thought well that can't be possible surely I don't know where I'm traveling to but this is all very strange but very beautiful and they had these um in those days you could listen to sort of inspirational messages on the radio or it must have been the radio on, on the plane and I always remember this and one of the things that the man that was narrating said you know everything has its time and even bread was only flour at one point and water and you can't rush the process and it is the same with our soul every part of our soul is ready at a different stage in our life and prepares us I think for the next step that we have to take mm. yeah it's um it's a wise perspective and it, I suppose patience is a virtue for good reason <laughs> Oh, yes. Oh, I have to remind myself, though, I have to say. Me too, me too, because we're, we're prone to try and get ahead of ourselves, are we not? You know, it's, yes, it's absolutely. Seems, it just seems that way to the ego mind that, there, you know, there's always something better. There's something else that maybe we need now, uh, even if it's not in our life as yet. And I think just having that at the back of your awareness, that that knowing that actually it's all unfolding perfectly. There, There really is no hurry and we can't push the river and and everything does have its season and its time and you know there are things that literally cannot be activated in our life as yet because we ain't ready yet <laughs> you know other, other, other things have to be completed first you know we, and we we can't see all of that detail can we somehow it's mm. a lot of it's hidden from view so we have to trust i think that's to me what been one of the big and ongoing learnings is we have to trust that there is an intelligence at work behind life, mm -hmm. which is not, it's not our personal mind that needs to be in charge of all of that, trying to figure it out and second guess it. In fact, that just gets in the way. But if we, if we trust the deeper intelligence and we learn to listen for its subtle signs and signals, then we do have the experience of things falling into place and, and being guided and, you know, I've, I've had the experience of walking into bookshops thinking I was going for a certain book and another book has literally fallen off the shelf and hit me on the shoulder. And I knew instantly that was the one that I needed to buy. And that's happened to me numerous times. And, and I th again, as I think we all have ex little, we're getting little hints and nudges yes. all the time if, if we learn to pay attention. I think a long time ago, before our time, and and in this time, most, most definitely, of course, but our elders were able to read the signs far more um, intelligently than I possibly could, in that everything in life is a sign. I remember my great-grandmother, you know, you're not allowed to do certain things. I remember saying to my friend, I can't throw water at night. And she said, why not? I said, because my great-grandmother says I can't do that. But she said, but that's nonsense. I said, it's not nonsense. It makes sense. Or 
start things on a new moon. Yes, but why? Well, there's a wisdom to it. And as I grew older, I understood a lot of the things that she used to say had a very profound wisdom to them. And that everything in life is really a signpost, even people, what they say, how they are, how the seasons are changing, how the birds are talking, how everything is talking to us. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, to me, that's very much the case. And I, it seems to me that the only variable is our degree of consciousness, uh, awareness, let's say. Um, we, we either are aware and awake enough to be able to read at least some of those signals and to have them guide us, or we're not. <laughs> yeah, or we're not, yeah. And, and if, if we... <laughs> If we're not, then you know there's no blame attached to this. It's 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 just the fact that that hasn't been realised yet. It hasn't been recognised that that possibility exists. But then the the experience is one of literally stumbling through life, and life has the appearance of being completely random. And you know it, you're on the wheel of fortune essentially. It's like you're either experiencing good luck and you say, "Oh, how clever am I," or you're going down the other side and. <laughs> yeah. Experience. That's a very good analogy, actually, Ian. You yes, know, it is. Experiencing bad luck. But, but to me, when you have that deeper perspective, you're not on the wheel. You're not on the periphery of the wheel. You're in the centre. Yeah. You're in the yeah. centre because things are still coming and going. You know, some things are coming into your life. Some things are leaving your life. Sometimes you'll have periods of um, enjoyment and riches, and sometimes you'll go through poor patches and difficult periods. That's normal. You know, to me, that's part of life. Mm. That's not going to change. But but when you're centered in your own understanding that this is all part of a bigger uh, unfolding, then you're not so thrown by the lows and you don't get too excited by the highs either. Yes, that's, that can be a very difficult equilibrium to achieve sometimes, can't it? Oh, for sure. Yeah, very mm. much so, because it's, it's very compelling. Mm. You know, we, it's, it's easy to get caught up in the let's call it the external drama of life, whether it's your own or, or someone else's, mm. and then to lose sight of um, that inner guidance. You know, it can become something that we, we, we can think, oh, well, I used to, I used to be able to recognize what was right and good for me, but I am too busy for that now. <laughs> yes. You know, we, we lose sight of it in the busyness of the world. And it, it is, uh, it's, it's, in a sense, it does require a certain vigilance to uh, keep our at least some of our attention focused in that direction. Yeah, absolutely. And and the word busy in the Western world, for sure, people are so very proud to be busy, but they're busy being busy because I don't think it's really that important to be busy, but it is like a badge of honour to be busy. Oh, I've been so busy. I have so many things to do. I am so busy. And I remember saying to my friend, who, who always has this habit of being busy, what are you actually doing? And she said, what do you mean, what am I doing? I said, but you're always busy, but busy doing what? She said, are you trying to say I'm doing nothing? I said, no, I'm trying to find out what it is you're actually doing. I said, well, I don't know, really. She said, just being busy. I said. Oh, so that's actually an activity, being busy. 
And we laughed because we realized the insanity of it mm. in that moment. Busy doing what? Yeah, I think you're right. And a, a big part of it is I think we're busy distracting ourselves from what we don't want to feel. Ah, uh, yes. And what is it that we don't want to feel? Because that can come in many forms for different people. But the essence of that, what is the essence of that, Ian? Well, you're right. It's not just a particular feeling that's the same for everyone. It's, it's basically any felt experience that we have come to judge as being a negative one, something that we, we think that we shouldn't be feeling. That's really what makes it problematic for us. It's not the feeling itself. You know, mm. all feeling, feelings themselves are just different flavors of experience. And even the ones that we, that we judge negatively, maybe like sadness or grief or uh, anxiety, in, mm. a different, in, a, in a different setting, we pay money to experience them. Right? Yes, people would pay a lot of money for that, I think. <laughs> why, why, why do we go to the movies, you know, to watch a thriller and sit on the edge of our seat in a state of anxiety uh, if we didn't enjoy it? Why do we go on roller coaster rides? Why do we go on, why do we read a book that moves us to tears because it's so sad? So actually, yeah. we know on some level that it's part of the richness of life to experience these things. It adds a depth to our life experience to um, experience, let's call it the minor key emotions, you know, not just the major key, happiness and joy and so on. Mm. But we all learn, it seems to me, that we all learn growing up that some feelings are um, supposedly less desirable than others. You know, when, when I grew up as a, as a young boy, it was very much big boys don't cry, so don't do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and and I think we've all had we've all learned some version of that. So even though there are times when it's it's what the body needs to feel and it's exactly what's um, appropriate to be feeling, now I've got some story running at the back of my mind that says, no, don't feel that. Be brave. You know, put on a brave face. Be strong. And that to me, that's the beginning of that conflict between what's arising in the moment versus what what are we allowing ourselves to feel and what are we resisting so it's only the things that we resist because we've learned that to judge it those are the ones that become the the ones that we we struggle with we grapple with and then those are the ones that we spend a lot of energy trying not to feel in my experience we get busy doing doing anything but feel them mm -hmm. this is very profound in what you're saying because I think a lot of time is lost, a lot of opportunity is lost in this hurriedness to avoid ourselves. Yeah, and we don't realize that, again, mm. the, the price that we're paying for that. I mean, maybe we do at some point, but oftentimes it just becomes a, an habitual mode, doesn't it? It's an habitual way of being. But we do lose some sense of self we and we lose um we lose access to some of the deeper parts of our being um it seems to me whenever we if we push away one feeling because we judge it as being negative we lose access to more than just that one that's that's one of the things that the healing work yeah. that i did that, that i came to see was you know, if someone pushes away their their sadness let's say their grief then they also lose access to some of their joy and some of their happiness because energetically, we feel those things in the same place, you know, in the heart center of the body. 
and and people don't realize that the you know that again the price that they're paying for leading a kind of one-sided existence um until we do and at a certain point life has a habit of uh crashing in on us <laughs> you know? and yeah and uh, nudging us in the direction of that fuller experience. Uh, um, it seems to me that healing, you know, the root of the word healing is the same root as the word wholeness. So for yeah. me, for me, healing is, is always in the direction of, of ever greater wholeness. It's, it's coming to experience more of the, the wholeness that's available to us. So in that sense, nothing is excluded. Otherwise, it wouldn't be wholeness, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it, the journey is one of in, more inclusive. It's not exclusive. It's it's embracing that which has been rejected and pushed away, and and in so doing, we get the gift. We we uncover the gift that we we hadn't realized um, was missing from our life. Uh, Carl Jung had a beautiful saying around that. He said, "The gold is in the dark. The gold oh. is in the dark." And that to me rings so true. You know, it's it's the last place we would look. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the last place we want to look but when we when we finally surrender and say okay i'm just going to let myself feel this down thing i'm going to stop running away from it in that surrender and that release we uncover something beautiful and we gain access to something that we hadn't even realized was missing how beautiful you put it in that's simply wonderful and yes we have this darkness and we were in the womb, of course, for nine months, most of us for nine months, and we were in the dark. And we think that we come into this world of light, but actually we are the light in the world. Hmm. I think so. And, and yet it's also a world of contrast, isn't it? So in order for us to know that and to, to fully experience that, we have to know both. We have to know and experience both sides. And um, we, otherwise we do become uh, somewhat one-sided, lopsided. And, and I think we all know that intuitively that when someone has been through a difficult time, you know, they've been on a journey in, into the underworld symbolically, you know, the, the myths and, and legends, yeah. they all point to this which is really an inward journey where we, we get lost, you know, we go into the forest or we get lost at sea and the things that we've navigated by up until that point are no longer adequate. So we can't fall back on what we already know. We have to be in the unknown for a while and it's a scary place for all of us, mm. but then we discover there are helpers, you know, any good fairy tale, there are always helpers that show up with usually animals or birds or, which to me represents that it's more the intuitive instinctual side of our nature that is, is usually what's been neglected. You know, we've been over relying on the intellect for everything because that's what's valued in, in our culture. Yeah. And we discover that actually it's not, it's no longer fit for purpose here. We have to fall back on something deeper. And, and then in so doing, we uncover the gifts, we overcome challenges and we uncover the gifts and then the completion of the journey is coming back into life with those gifts so that we have something to share. We've got something to contribute to the, to the whole. And, and we don't just undertake that journey once in a lifetime, it seems to me. But when, when you meet someone, or if it's you yourself, and you've undergone such a journey, you're not the same person as you were before you set out. 
and it's yeah. a re- it's recognizable. You know, when Mel- when Nelson Mandela came out of prison after twenty six years, you know, he was a he was a young, angry, rebellious spirit when he went in there. When he came out, he was this. Uh, he was he was already an elder in some sense, and mm. he came out with this powerful, grounded wisdom and sense of deep purpose. And it was recognizable. It was palpable. You know, every world leader wanted to have a photo next to Nelson Mandela, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and when you put most of them next to him, they paled by comparison in his shadow. You know, they were, they were all in his shadow. Now, you say, well, what was it about this guy? He's just been in a prison cell for 26 years. Well, he faced his own demons. And he, you know, he wrote about it in his autobiography, how... He realized that if he came out still holding bitterness and anger in his heart towards the ones that had committed injustice, and that he realized then that, that his time was wasted and that he, he couldn't really be of service to his people. He had to transform that. You know, there had to be an alchemy of transforming that bitterness and that rage into something meaningful and powerful that can contribute to life. So he came out with that purpose and that depth. So to me, I think, it, you know, those, those what we would call the darker and shadowy aspects of life, which we often fear and try our best to avoid, when we do get thrust into them, and we may struggle, but when we come out the other side, um, there's a depth that we carry, and there's a richness to our life now, and there's an understanding that we have that we didn't have before that we couldn't have had in any other way. And then you look back and you see, well, maybe that's what needed to happen. You know, I, I wouldn't have chosen it <laughs> in a million years. Yeah. Mm. But but it turns out that here I am and I'm better for it. I'm a better person for it. Words fail me because I'm astounded at your wisdom, Ian, really. And it's something that settles beautifully with my heart, what you're saying, and gives such peace and resonance to our life in that we can't be the same people that we were prior to any life-changing event that happens. But we have to sort of sail through that storm. We can't have a life of paradise, because this isn't paradise. It is a path through many treacherous storms and all sorts of things that go on. But is the answer then to embrace that when it comes, to embrace whatever it is, whatever change that occurs in life, as opposed to sort of trying to run away? And in fact, as you said earlier, distracting ourselves from that is that sort of the wisdom of the elders that we must embrace whatever happens in our life and learn how to actually flow through it as opposed to running away and seeing that destiny has put it on a path further up along the road in a much greater way yeah, I think so. I think that's exactly it, Mimi. That word embrace to me um, describes it perfectly. And it, and I think the key, at least from my own understanding, is that we embrace the totality. 
not just the the bits we like. <laughs> yes, no. that maybe is the key. Yeah, yeah. Because when we can embrace the totality, when we can say yes to the adventure, even knowing that it's going to be painful at times, it's going to be frightening, it's going to involve loss and suffering and surrender and giving up of things that we've held dear, it's going to involve all of that. Can we still say yes in the face of that? And if we can, then we're, we're up for the adventure and we're going to get the gains at the other end. And if we're not, if we're afraid and we hold back, this is what um, I learned a lot of, about this from Joseph Campbell. You know, he was a great um, source of inspiration. He was a student of all the mythologies of the world. Mm -hmm. And he, he says then the situation you're in there is what he called the refusal of the call to adventure. <laughs> Oh, yes. And, you know, he actually had a term for it, which, again, I recognized when he described, I thought, yeah, I know, I, I've been there. I've, I can recognize that within myself. And I've, and I've seen many people refusing the call to adventure in their life. Because, what, you know, what does the call to adventure look like? It doesn't look like an adventure. It just looks like trouble. <laughs> yeah. Usually, look, it looks like some kind of trouble, which uh, I don't yeah. think I want to get into that, you know. But the problem, the, the problem is if we refuse it, it's usually offered, I mean, not always, but oftentimes we're given opportunities to um, embrace that adventure voluntarily. But if we don't take them, perhaps repeatedly we refuse the call, then at a certain point life says, you know what? <laughs> yes. Coming ready or not, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it takes a brave heart and soul, Ian, yeah. to accept that invitation. It does. It sure does. And, but, you know, if, even if we cannot at the time, if, for, for whatever reason, if we can't say yes, life has a way of showing us that this is where we're heading anyway. So, that, you know, the choice to me looks like, do we go screaming and kicking or do we go willingly? That's the choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, that, that, that's the point, actually. And I, I remember, and I have spoken about this before, but it, it was such a profound change in my life. And it was climbing Mount Sinai in Egypt. Mm. And um, it was, um, how many of us? Hold on, one, two, three, four of us. Um, it was three adults and my friend's um, daughter, who was young at the time, I think she was about 10. And they had, we took some camels and I realized after five minutes, there was no way that I would be climbing any mountain on a camel that just wasn't going to happen. Because at that point I realized I had a fear of heights. I didn't know previously. Um, so I got off and the Bedouins were with my friends and one Bedouin was with me. And it was extremely, extremely difficult. and. Uh, it took us eight hours because, you know, it was so difficult and, you know, I was slow with it, but they were on the camels and they were having a nice time. And I remember saying, I, I don't want to do this anymore. And the Bedouin who had no shoes on said to me, what do you mean? I said, I, I can't do this. I, I just can't do it. And he said, but why? I said, I might die. He said, and? I said, what do you mean? And I can't do it. I can't do it. What do you mean? And? And he said to me, listen to me. And he sat down and they were waving hello on their camels. You know, I thought, oh, for goodness sake, just, just, just go. And I remember him sitting with me and he said, listen, you might die. This is very true. I said, 
could I really die? I said, yeah, you could fall and you could die. Who knows? It's a very high mountain. But isn't it better to die following your dreams? And that was the line I needed. And I got up and we did it. And that was the adventure calling. Yeah. That's it. That's it. And we're all, there's always the temptations, isn't there, to give up and to turn back. And Oh, yes. Can we, can we just make it a bit, <laughs> bit, bit more comfortable and a bit easier? And... I, I had a big moment there with my ego. When Have you ever climbed Mount Sinai, Ian? I have indeed, yeah. I, I had that good fortune as well. I remember climbing up during the, during the night, you know, in the dark. <laughs> yes. By absolutely. moonlight and then waiting for the sun to come up. It was freezing on the top, I remember. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> But it's incredible, isn't it? The, the view, the feeling. Yeah. yeah and you know, we're to the point where it's uh, just before the 700 steps of repentance. Yes. And the Bedouin said to me, are you sure you want to do this? I said, why? And he said, well, look, it's dark now. We'd started off earlier, actually. We'd started off in the afternoon about four o'clock. Um, and he said, are you sure you want to do this? I said, why? He said, well, because... This was his brother, actually, who said the other one took over um, and took my friends up to the 700 steps before you get to that cave. And I said, I don't know why. He said, well, you know, the air's getting thinner and, you know, are you sure you want to do this? And I remember my ego saying, you're mad. What are you doing? We could be at home eating chocolate ice cream and watching EastEnders. But no, you want to be spiritual to climb a mountain. We're going to die. We're going to die. <laughs> and then I thought, look, just be quiet. And I said to the Bedouin, we're going to do it. We have to do it. And he said, you don't have to. I said, what's the option? He said, walking back down in the dark. I said, no, that's not an option. Let's just do this. Let's just do it. <laughs> lesser, <laughs> lesser of two evils, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> and the moonlight, luckily, and they'd forgotten their torch. Um, of course, they'd forgotten it, but that was all part of the test. And it, was, it completely changed my life. Yeah. Completely changed my life. So... Yes, that call of adventure. I think that if we don't answer the invitation, Ian, we don't ever really learn to live. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. I mean, we, we have a life, but what kind of a life is it? You know, it becomes, it be, at a certain point, it has that feeling of what uh, Carl Jung had an expression for it. Um, he called it the unlived life. Yeah. The unlived life starts to accumulate, and 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 it, but that's what ages us and it burdens us as we get older. It's the un, it's the accumulation of unlived life that we oh. know the things that we could have done and didn't, the adventures that we were ready for but talked ourselves out of. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! That's so sad. It is sad. It takes a toll, and you know mm. if if I think when people reach their latter years or even their deathbed moments and they look back, these are the these are the true regrets, you know, that we didn't say yes to the adventure when when we could have. But who knows? I mean I think we can't we can't ever go back and, and do anything other than what made sense to us to do at the time. Yeah. 
So, you know, from another perspective, we have to trust that again, it's all unfolding beautifully, even when it, even when it looks like we've missed an opportunity, something else has, has yeah. presented. And that's been the, the detour that we've taken. And who's to say whether it's, you know, or whether it's ever truly right or wrong, I don't think we can judge. It's true. It's very, very true, profoundly so, in that at that moment, it felt right. Whether it was or wasn't is a case of, is there such a thing as kismet? Hmm. But that is for far more wiser people to discuss than myself. And it's a tricky old road, that, that road of kismet. So I think also to forgive ourselves for maybe not having the courage to do all the things we could and while we're alive. There are still moments to be lived. Exactly. I think that's lovely. And to me, that's an, an, a crucial realisation that any, anyone can have, is that it, there's nothing to be gained by um, looking back and, and beating yourself up for what you didn't do. Or, you know, could have, would have, should have. Could have, would have, should have, yeah. <laughs> because uh, truly, if we really could have, we probably would have, you know. So for whatever reason... That wasn't that that choice wasn't available to us at the time. Something else looked more compelling or more real, and so we went with that. And but now, as you say, where we are now, this is the point of um, choice that we have at any moment is where we are now. So rather than looking back at what we we didn't do, we can always start afresh. It seems to me at any stage in our life, we can. Yes. You know, we we can literally clean the slate afresh and say, well, what do I feel moved to do at this point in my life? And that's to me, that's still on the table. <laughs> and I then think we, that's a wonderful opportunity. Yeah. And then we see what, you know, what, what it is that comes through at, at mm. this point. It might be something completely different than the adventure that would have been presented to us in our 20s or 30s. It probably will be. Um, mm. But nonetheless, it has... To me, it has the same kinds of opportunities hidden within it to to bring something forth from within our our being that's ready to be unfolded. Beautiful. That's so beautiful. That is so hopeful that those words, in fact, are the mirror of life, of the essence of life, and, in fact, are the invitation to live our life truly in the way that we were meant to yeah that's it that's how it looks to me and that that is the it's the invitation and it's the possibility that's available to all of us and it and it, and nobody can t- no one can tell us what it is that we need to do you know we we can go looking for answers but they're not to be found outside mm. it's uh, it's that recognition that it can only be unfolded from within ourselves, and it's only when we we learn to listen into that inner knowing that we really, I truly, I think, can get on track and 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 know and trust our own path. That this is our own path because it's come from within us. We're not mimicking someone else. We're not um, just following someone else's advice or what they've done. We we are literally allowing it to um, arise within us freshly 
so that we're as surprised by it as anybody else, you know. Yes. <laughs> that's, the, that's the wonderful thing. That's the wonderful thing, isn't it? And that's how yeah. you really know that this is your path. When it, you know, when it, you're just as surprised by it as anyone, it's like, wow, I didn't see this. <laughs> I didn't see this coming, but it seems to be what's uh, required right now. So let's go. <laughs> Beautiful, absolutely wonderful, amazing. I have to say, Ian, and I have to ask you though. I have to ask you. You've done so many different things and you do so many different things and um, the list goes on and on and on. What are you doing right now? Um, yeah, I have. I mean, my work has taken numerous different forms, but, you know, it for me, in essence, it's always been the same work. And I, and I see that more and more clearly now uh, when I look back is my work has always been about... Um, inner transformation really that's that's at the heart of it so i call my work now transformational education because mm -hmm. i mostly work with uh, groups um a little bit with individuals but not so much mostly it's group work and i do workshops trainings classes um seminars that kind of thing and so the format is different but the essence is not always the same we come together as a group and we look in the direction of exactly these things that we've just been talking about here today. We look in the direction of um, what is it that we're here to, to be? What is it that we can uncover within ourselves that's ready to be, to be brought forth into awareness? And can we gain a little insight and understanding about who and what we are on the inside that might be helpful? Because it seems to me that's the, that's the most helpful thing for any of us is, is to gain that insight into, into who we are truly on the inside. And the more we've become familiar with, with that, and so we've got a sense of um, what it is that's driving us, whether for good or ill, and, and also what is it that, that wants to come through us? You talked about that right at the beginning. You know, how is it that this divine intelligence wants to be expressed through me? in this lifetime and particularly at this moment in my life? What is it that I'm here to experience and to contribute? And if we, if we can get in touch with that, that to me is the most fun and interesting thing to explore with other people. So that's really what my work is about. So do you, you don't do one-to-one? -one not, not so much. Occasionally I not do, so but um, I, I don't do so much of that. I, I love working with groups and... I've been a bit deprived of that. I mean, it had to all go on to Zoom, you know, a couple of years ago, like everything. So yes. now I'm now I'm just reclaiming my right to work with people in the room once again, you know, actually getting together with. Oh, me. so you're actually physically meeting people now? Yes, yes, <laughs> and I'm and I'm absolutely loving it. I, I hadn't realised how much I'd missed that, mm. and I think, and I don't think I'm the only one. I think you know, people are still a bit tentative to come out to play. But when, when they, yeah, but when they do come, they're so glad they did, and and they yeah. quickly they quickly remember how lovely it is to be in a shared space and to have that human human connection. We need it, you know. It's it to me. It's uh, it's not a, a trivial thing. It's not an optional thing. I think it's something that we we thrive on. So I'm putting more and more more energy now into doing more live. Um, workshops and groups and trainings and so on because that's what I truly love to do more than anything I love it I love it I love that type of work and there is a certain type of energy and presence in all of that that you can never achieve through you know 
Zoom or whatever other sort of medium you use. It's, as you said, that human contact that we need each other. We need each other so much and more so than ever before, I think. And to have that realization that we are really one. We're not separate. We're just, as you said so beautifully, part of the same tapestry of life. And where do you run these? Are they courses? Are they seminars? If people want to join, where can they find? Where is it all happening? Well, if people have a look on my website, which is theinsightspace.com, then I have a kind of rolling program of things, some of which are longer programs. I am with a colleague this last couple of years. I've been running a couple of online uh, long programs. One was, we call it the Holistic Healer Foundation Training, which was exploring a lot of the things around holistic health that I've um, studied and practiced over the oh, years. Wonderful. And we have another program, which is, we call it Practitioners in Presence which is for people who are already health practitioners who are looking to deepen in their work, you know, to bring a deeper understanding to their work. So I've got some virtual things though. I mean, those are still ongoing. Um, whether we'll do them again in future, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to check in and see what feels right. But then I have, um, I've got a, a, an evening class running in my local village here in Sussex where I live, which mm-hmm. was just last night, which is fantastic. And I'll have some other things coming up, which I do things, I call them immersion days which is just a small group gathering. And I do them, essentially, I do them wherever I'm invited, if I can make it, if I can manage. (laughs) So oftentimes it's someone else comes along to one and they like it. And then they invite me to go and do one where they live. And uh, Mm. it's a a movable feast. So I like that. Oh, that sounds absolutely wonderful. And are you traveling anywhere abroad? I haven't been, no, I haven't been abroad. I mean, and that's a big change for me because it's been Mm -hmm. a big part of my life throughout my life. So I haven't travelled yet since um, early 2019, and it's probably the longest time in my life that I've stayed in in one country that I can remember. And so that's been a kind of surrender. You know, I, I was resisting it for a little while, and then I realised, you know what, that's this is what seems to be required right now. So I'm not going to fight the system. Yeah. I'm just going to stay put and do what I can do here. And and I trust that at a certain mm-hmm. point international travel will will make sense to do again it will look like something that's appealing rather than something that looks like a a, yes. a, big, a lot of difficulty and trouble and you know yeah the jumping, krypton factor yeah yes jumping through a lot of hoops i mean i've got friends who've, who've traveled and they say oh it's not as bad as you think which is probably true but mm-hmm. uh, i just haven't felt the urge yet we'll see you haven't felt the calling because that again is is an invitation i i think to every destination that you go to is an invitation to that place. Yeah, very much so. Mm-hmm. I totally understand you. And it there was a moment for myself of, like yourself, I've traveled extensively. It's, it's a huge part of my life. And at some point you have to sort of, I suppose it's a little bit of a semi-seclusion on some levels where you're needed elsewhere at that time. Yeah. Yeah, it felt it just felt right to me to kind of kind of stay within a smaller radius of, of my mm-hmm. home. I, I moved from um, London down to Sussex in the summer, and I, I really feel like I it's more important to me just to put some roots down here and to do mm-hmm. some things locally. And so that's what I've, I've been putting energy into. And it, it, as you say, it feels like the right thing to do at this time. Yeah, and you never know. Um, you could get in a moment 
in an hour or two. This is the wonderful thing when you are, you know, very open to invitations. You don't know who's going to call you at what point. And as you said earlier, change your life forever. Yeah, very true. And I'm always open to invitation. (laughs) Okay. Well, let's see what we can do. out there in the hemispheres wonderful it has been an absolute pleasure ian well for me too this was a nice invitation that came out of the blue so it's in that category (laughs) but uh, it's been very very lovely to spend this time with you mimi and just to connect and share some stories and some experience together so thank you thank you and uh, i really appreciate what you're doing you're very welcome and please come back anytime and share some of that wisdom with us, especially dowsing. I must ask you this before you go. Um, And I know you can't tell me in a sentence, but is that something that you're doing any courses on dowsing? It's not, no. And I haven't even, I I haven't um, practiced it for many, many years, decades, in fact. But you know, what I came to see about that is there's no magic in the pendulum. Mm, mm. or whatever instrument you're using, because it's just an extension of your own musculature, really. So the, the, the real instrument is your own mind and body working together. And for me, that's, that's the instrument that I'm more interested in fine-tuning these days. And I believe that we can use things like dowsing. There are all kinds of tools that we can use, which mm-hmm. are great. But we can also just learn to listen into our own guidance, our own wisdom, our own inner knowing. And if we need answers, if we if we if we get quiet enough and we listen in, we can find those answers on the inside. We don't, we actually don't need any tool. That's how it looks to me now. It's true. And the reason I asked you about dowsing is I met a water dowser. You know. Mm. Um, yeah, I used to do that as well. <laughs> oh, did you? Yeah. So. The water dowser was um, trying to find a place where they could build a well because they had bought a property, a farm. They wanted their own water supplies, and they were they they were doing this down with the rods yeah. and things. But he was also using a pendulum. And then I remember saying to him, "But how does that work?" And he said, "Well, it's not really that that works. It's my energy that's feeling it." Right. So that now completely sort of goes hand in hand with what you're saying yeah it has to be you know it has to be like that because if you leave the uh, the twigs on the ground they're not going to twitch by themselves you know <laughs> <laughs> that's a very good point actually that's an excellent point yes but one thing that I want to ask very quickly is when you're holding a pendulum, a friend of mine gave me a whole set of crystals, but they were supposed to be um, necklaces and things. And I quite like this. If I hold them, and pe- people have asked me this as well, and they actually feel the energy in the room, the energy does affect them to move, doesn't it? Well, it can do. And it, You know, I think what that reveals, sometimes we get a glimpse of the fact that everything is energy. Yes, yes. Everything is just Mm. energy Mm. in different forms, some of which appear to be solid and material. (laughs) But even the most solid object, like a crystal or a rock, that's Mm. energy too, in a, you know, in a different form. So, yeah, depending on one's um, 
again, awareness and sensitivity to these things, some people can um, discern the different energies that um, mm -hmm. substances uh, emit, and some people not so much. But we are, you know, we're energetic beings also, and we're living in in, in a realm of energy. So, with I think with um, with that sensitivity, if it's if it's developed over time. Then it, it's again that, that to me will be another example of how we can fine tune the instrument that we're being given. It's one way that you can you can fine tune it. Now if someone, for example, trains to be an acupuncturist, that they have to do the same thing. Mm, mm. You know, when when they're doing the pulse diagnosis, they're not just taking the pulse like a you know Western medical doctor. They're feeling for the flow of energy or block, blockage of energy, obstruction mm -hmm. of energy, stagnation of energy. Mm. And initially, you can't feel anything. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I've had them demonstrate it to me. It's like, I can't feel a thing. And they say, well, yeah, I couldn't either for about two years. <laughs> so, but we have the capability to, you know, to fine tune those faculties. And then we can pick up all kinds of things that were always there, but we didn't have the sensitivity to discern them before. Imagine if we have the courage to open that center within us that lies within all of us and tap into that source what a different world this would be yeah for sure yeah and it i mean it seems to me that more and more people are doing exactly that right yeah. now. i think a lot of people are coming back to themselves and and realizing that that is where the answers are to be found um so we haven't really lost these gifts. I think, you know, they, they maybe have gone dormant for a few centuries or however long, but I don't think we lose them. And, and perhaps this is the time when, when they get awakened for more and more people. Let's hope so. Yes, and with your work as well, Ian, it's a beacon of light, helping people find their way home. That's a lovely way of putting it. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, well, I hope you come back again, Ian. You're welcome. Always, the door is always open. And I wish you wonderful moments, always. Thank you, Mimi. It's been a pleasure and it would be my pleasure to, uh, to speak again. And uh, I wish you all the best with your work also. Thank you. Oh, thank you very much. Take care, Ian. Thanks. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Bye. Ian Watson. Wow. Say yes to life. What a beautiful message. Thank you so much for joining me as always. And I wish you moments of love and joy always. Until next time, take care and lots and lots of love. Thank you for listening to Secrets for an Inspirational Life, brought to you by your host, Mimi Novik. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast and see you in the next episode. For more information about Mimi Novik and her books, music and inspirational work, take a look at her website www.miminovic.co.uk